politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here, but not in my house. I am at our Southern Command, which is really our Central Command here in Dallas, Texas, Mercury Studios, the Blaze Headquarters. Uh, What a terrific facility. So much history behind it. Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger was filmed here. And today's show is being recorded here as well. It is Tuesday, April 13th. I'm still so tired from that plane ride with that stupid Chinese face burk on my face. My wife did make me a really paper-thin one that, thankfully, they didn't give me a hard time with. But I am really glad to be back with you. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make today's show, but they have accommodated me here. Um, Rather than take up room in one of the big studios, because they're all being used, I put myself in a little booth here. A little recording booth. It must be two feet by two feet. So I'm sitting in a booth. And the thought crossed my mind, most Americans are really like this. So here I'm in this massive, you know, it's formerly owned by Paramount before Glenn Beck bought it. Um, Tons of big studios and I'm in a tiny booth. That's where most Americans are in terms of their news consumption. Okay, that's the reality. That is where most Americans are. In terms of the panoply of news stories they hear about. And that's what colors their worldview. So we have this story. So there's two big stories I want to get to today. Obviously the vaccine pulling Johnson & Johnson's uh, authorization. I don't know if they pulled the authorization, but they have a recommendation against using it. Which of course there's no reason why that shouldn't apply to the other vaccines as well. And then this whole Duante White shooting in Minneapolis. And they're like, look, Daniel, you see? You see? You can't tell me that wasn't uh, uh, unjustified shooting. See, look what the police did to a black person. And it's like, what? You shove people into a little booth, a narrow channel of news, and say, hey, this is what I want you guys to focus on. And what they do is they build a narrative based on that, that this is the entire world. That it's broadly reflective of police being out of control and particularly targeting blacks. I mean, this guy was just minding his own business, of course, and the police just came and decided to shoot him. Obviously, it has its own unique circumstances, more than anything else we've seen recently. But that's exactly what it is. It's one anomaly where a cop reached for the taser and for whatever reason got the gun and shot him. But they're like, no, Daniel, you see, we need to have a systemic discussion about more broadly what this represents and the fact that police are too trigger happy against black people. Like, what? If you want to talk systemically... Here's what it does represent. It represents the fact that we have no deterrent or punishment of young criminals and particularly black males increasingly to the point that we have more fugitives now than ever 
out on the street with outstanding warrants. They don't show up to court because it's a joke because they never get in trouble when they're caught not showing up. This guy had felonies and he didn't feel deterred by police. So he felt he could fight with them. He felt he could run with them. And the more you have these situations where people are going to run and fight with police, the more you're going to have dangerous scenarios where overwhelmingly the outcome is that the police handles it properly or uses underwhelming force that puts themselves and others in danger. But likewise, you'll have an increasing likelihood of the minority of cases where the cop does something wrong. That's what people don't realize. Why is the discussion not the fact that we have record crime, that after 25 years of reducing crime in this country, we've gone backwards to the early 90s? And in some places, more crime than even before the 60s. That is the main story, not just because that's the main story, but because that is the antecedent to what they're worried about, which is wrongful police interactions or police interactions gone bad. What people don't realize is, and there's a wealth of statistics on this, the cops tend to catch a tremendous amount of really bad guys through traffic stops. I mean, because typically, like, the gangster types are you know, driving erratically, that it's just par for the course. That's what they do. And, oh, whoops, you have an outstanding warrant for armed robbery. So the more you have of these people that used to be locked up now on the streets, the more police interactions you're going to have that turn dangerous and deadly. Now, most of the time, you're you're not going to have someone reach for a taser and and pull out the gun. But like anything else, the anomalies will increase as well. The lack of training, bad training, or just simple mistake that always happens. The more of these you have, the more likely that will happen. So why don't we treat the illness and not the symptom? Even some of my colleagues are like, yeah, Daniel, this is bad. You know, police need more training. Is that really what this one case shows? I don't know. There's several hundred million police interactions every year. Had this guy been a a white person, we wouldn't have heard about it. The real issue is that the more we beat down the police as a result of this to treat the, the symptom, the more you make the illness worse. Because the more they're going to run from police. Because they know the police are the ones on the hook, not them. The more they're going to fight with them. And the more you're going to have an outcome of either them getting killed by the police, them killing the police, or increasingly what is going to happen is they're going to start killing more civilians. Because police are just, and they're already doing this, they're saying hands off, and therefore, they're just going to not never be interdicted by police. See, right now, typically, they're interdicted by the police before they get a chance to harm more people. Well, as we saw last year, that has changed. So even there's even people on the right, like, we need police reform. Daniel, I know, I, I don't agree with BLM, but we need this degree of reform. And I'm like, why is that the news story? 
Why is that narrow sliver the news story? And not the story that as a result of that mindset, crime is skyrocketing. Major American cities saw a 33% increase in homicide last year. The largest single-year increase since records were kept. Why? And again, that type of thing is what creates a scenario where there are more of these volatile, violent people out on the streets. Yeah, does it mean the guy should have been shot? No, of, of course not. It, it went wrong. I mean, I think prima facie, this is one of the few cases where the details aren't really in doubt. I mean, because you, you see the reaction on camera. It's clear that it was face value what they say happened. That they meant to tase the person and got the wrong thing. What do you do with that? You do with it what you always do in an individual case. Whatever lawsuit you're going to have. But the point is, the notion that this guy, oh, you had the parents crying. And look, they lost a son, I get it. But did they cry about his behavior the last few years and his criminal record? I'm saying he was not headed to a good outcome no matter what. Not that it meant to say that he should have been shot, but that's not the point here. We're all missing the point. It just drives me insane when some conservatives, they feel a need like, oh, we're on the hook. Well, we have to like, we all have to express our, our outrage. Dude, if I only wanted to do shows every day of the year on violent criminals that kill people because they're not locked up and never focus on a single other issue, I could do that. But we're channeled to this narrow little thing. Hey, look at this. This is the news, and therefore, it engenders a need for this policy outcome. I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to play that game. So that's the reality with that. I wanted to give you guys that perspective. Because where we're headed here is... The more we focus on these cases, again, it's a one-sided thing. You're never going to hear about all the interactions that go right. It's kind of like a plane crash. We always hear about the planes that crashed. You don't hear about the ones that don't crash. And again, there's a lot of police interactions where they use underwhelming force. They're insanely patient. The dirty little secret is... There are more violent criminals out on the streets than ever because of our court system and the Soros prosecutors and the de-incarceration agenda. There's more people on drugs than ever. They're almost always on drugs. I don't know if this guy was or wasn't, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was. And then more than ever, they are running or fighting. So all these people like police need better training. Well, you always need better training. But do you want to put on a new uniform? What's your solution? You go deal with that. And the answer is, there is no solution. It's kind of like what we're going to, you know, what we've been talking about with COVID, trying to treat cytokine storm with a ventilator when your body has already gone haywire. Well, yeah, it's kind of hard. How about you preempt it? You deter the immune reaction with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc. 
and a healthy immune system. It's the same thing here. You deter crime up front. You lock up the bad guys. And yes, that will require putting more people in jail initially. Now, you you follow through with it enough, the 13 and 14-year-olds, the next generation of criminals, will look at their bros 18, 19, 20, 21 Oh, wow, it's not so cool anymore. You're not getting away with it. You know what? Maybe I ought to not do that. But right now, what is deterring them? Where is this story here? Got a crime story I wanted to see. This is from the New York Post. Brooklyn judge frees teen with five open gun cases. A Brooklyn judge cut loose an alleged teen gang member with a history of gun crimes after he was busted a fifth time for possession. It's not possession of drugs. Of guns. Judge Lee Chang didn't seem to mind that Rakan Wilson, 19, so he's already, already an adult, already had four open cases for packing loaded pistols and for armed robbery, including allegedly pointing a gun at one victim and threatening to shoot him in the head when he came before him on the latest case Tuesday. Wilson, an alleged member of the Folk Nation gang who was arrested for attempted murder at 15, was riding in an Uber on March 21st with two pals. Cops pulled over the car and found a fanny pack on the floor containing a loaded SAR 9mm pistol. Since one of the friends claimed the gun belonged to him, the judge agreed to set Wilson free without bail on four counts of weapon possession and firearm possession at the request of Brooklyn prosecutors. Okay? Neither the judge nor the prosecutor mentioned the teen menaces four other cases spanning two boroughs. And again, that included, it's not just a regular gun felony, but um, pointing a gun and attempted murder. And um, the 2016 attempted murder case against Wilson was handled at family court and is sealed. But records show that on February 15, 2019, a cop saw him toss a fanny pack near the front door of 845 Gates Avenue. About four months later, at the same housing project, the cop saw him hurl a black uh, 38 caliber Cobra Denali into an area of the garbage cans. Um, he pleaded guilty to criminal possession of a firearm in each case for which he's expected to be sentenced to two years in prison, but he allegedly didn't stop there. Um, on the afternoon of June 4th, this is all while he's out last year in front of a shuttered storefront in Jamaica, Queens, Wilson allegedly approached another man with a silver 38 caliber pistol loaded with two rounds and barked, don't move. The robbery was thwarted by cops in the end. Of course, he also had 33 small baggies of cocaine stuffed in his uh, sweatshirt pocket. But he was let out six days later on just 25,000 bail. A month later, Wilson's alleged crime spree resumed. A month later, so he's let out again when a pair of women lured two men to the Cresthaven Inn at JFK for what they thought would be a good time. Instead, Wilson and two pals allegedly burst into the room with guns trained on the men. One of them whacked one of the victims in the head, you know, pistol whipped him, then swiped his iPhone, Rolex, the keys to his Mercedes and 600 in cash. 
Wilson then allegedly pistol whipped the, the same man again. You a tough guy, guy he snarled. I'm going to shoot you in the head. So again, he's brought before the judge and he was released on 10,000 bail. Folks, that is the story. Not Duante White. These guys, this is just, I just gave you a random case. I could have picked anything. This is happening. There's hundreds of these in every city. Young teens, early 20s. They're getting younger and younger. It's not just like some guy just doing marijuana on his own, not bothering anyone. That is the biggest lie that we're locking up people for that. Not only are we not locking up people for that, we're not locking them up for pointing guns and robbery and assault and firearms charges all mixed multiple times. So these guys are out on the streets. Put yourself in the shoes of this Wilson guy. And White strikes me as a guy like this. A cop approaches him. You and I are approached by a cop. We're terrified, right? But people like this, why should they be scared? They know they could fight with them and or certainly run from them and get away with it. That is why we have all this crime. Now, folks, I wanted to introduce you to a new advertiser today. Protect your estate with Liberty Estate Plans. Andre Ong and his wife, Angela, I've gotten to know them. They're estate planners and real estate agents in the St. Louis, Missouri area. He is actually our Missouri team leader for Liberty Strike Force team. So if you want to sign up, you can sign up with Andre. So this is a product of CR Podcast. Look, a lot of us don't want to start thinking about this, but you really do need to think about getting your estate in order to protect it from government, from people coming after you. Just one thing you have to consider is 70% of people wind up in long-term care. Okay? Medicaid will make you spend your entire estate to no more than $2,000 before you get any assistance. Then there's probate. If your estate goes through probate, after you pass away, your family could see tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars go to your attorneys. Most people know that the financially savvy seem to have a well-written estate plan. But most Americans don't realize that they can easily build a castle and a moat around their little kingdoms. And Andre Ong and his folks at Liberty Estate Plans, they want to help you do just that. They have a process in place to help you create a trust, wills, powers of attorney, and all the other documents you need for you and your spouse with unlimited expert attorney consultation for one flat fee. This is a flat fee. You go to libertyestateplans.com. Our listeners can get 20% discount on all their services. Just mention the fact that I referred you to him. Um, and uh, he'll give you a comprehensive analysis of your current plan. So just it doesn't cost anything. Give him a call. Uh, schmooze with him. Uh, you know, if you're from Missouri, you definitely need to do that because you should uh, join his team, Liberty uh, uh, Strike Force team, while you are getting your Liberty Estate plan. Um, it's obviously 100% confidential. He's making sure that you keep control of your life's work and achievement. Um, again, it's a husband and wife owned firm, two for the price of one. 
Um, he'll connect you with a specialized attorney who knows exactly how to draft your document documents. Um, he'll walk you through every step. And again, it's not billable hours. So it's just, there's no, it's a one flat rate. Um, and he also knows how to make it, your plan amendable because often uh, government is constantly changing things on you. Your estate will be 100% yours, private and completely protected when Andre is done with you. So go to libertyestateplans.com to get started. When you set up your free consultation, let him know Daniel sent you for the discount. Um, again, libertyestateplans.com. Schedule your no-cost, no-obligation consultation. Take the steps you need now to protect yourself and your family. Put up a moat and a castle around your kingdom. That is libertyestateplans.com. Now, folks, you know what's going to happen. What's going to happen here is the cops are going to ease off even more. And the more they ease off, what's going to happen? More of the same. You know, there's a fascinating study that was put out um, by Travis Campbell. He's a PhD student in economics at University of Massachusetts. I got this at electionwiz.com. Put up a post here. So he wanted to basically study whether there have been less shootings, police shootings, in areas where you had widespread BLM protests. Meaning like putting them on notice. And he wanted to show that for every 4,000 people who participated in a BLM protest between 2014 and 2019, police killed one less person. By the way, I mean, your chances of getting killed by the police are less than being struck by lightning, but whatever. I mean, certainly if you're a black male living in uh, um, the inner city, I mean, (laughs) you're exponentially more likely to be killed by, you know, another black male. But anyway, what happened was, while he was studying this, he found something else that didn't really draw so much attention to. He tracked 1,600 BLM protests across the country, largely in the bigger cities. And, you know, his main finding was that there was a 15 to 20% reduction in lethal use of force by police officers where they had these um, protests. It's kind of like hands off, like we're scared. But you know what the research also shows? That the protests correlate with a 10% increase in murder. So from 2014 to 2019, there were somewhere between 1,000 to 6,000 more homicides than there would have been expected if places with protests were on the same trend as the places that did not have the protests. So again, the joke is, you're just going to have more blacks be killed, which we had this year. That's what we had. Because folks, this entire thing is a freaking lie. You, know, you have um, governors like Bill Lee in Tennessee saying that criminal justice reform is a conservative thing. Very conservative. Natural. I think he called it like a natural fit. (sighs) This is what we have in red states. But folks, we're going to have more more rioting. But again, it's not just the rioting that's creating a free-for-all. It's like this case from Brooklyn I just read to you, and we talk about every week these type of cases. Nobody goes to jail anymore, and the people who go the least are young black males who per capita commit the most crime. That's what needs to be dealt with. 
Deal with the antecedent, the crime, the illness. Stop treating the symptoms. So they have this statistic they'll always tell you that Minneapolis police are seven times more likely to shoot black people than white people. I'll be like, wow, oh my gosh, sometimes more likely. But guess what? Black people in Minneapolis are 12.1 times more likely to be a victim of a gun homicide. And I think the numbers for the victims and the perpetrators usually closely align. So likely to be more likely to be a victim, more likely to be a perpetrator. 12.1 times more likely. So actually you should expect that police shootings of blacks would likely be in line with that. It's actually lower, the fact that it's only seven. So adjusting for that fact, police actually have a higher rate of shooting against white suspects per interaction, which anyone with a brain knows that because, you know, when it's someone who's white, they know that they're going to follow their best judgment and instincts and they're not going to second guess themselves because they know they won't get in trouble. If they're dealing with a black perpetrator, well, that's a that's a different ballgame. This is CDC data. It's funny, you know, we, we talk a lot about CDC data these days, but they have, um, you know, crime homicide data because they cover all things mortality. Black, the, the, the black homicide rate in America was 12.9 times higher than the white homicide rate from 2010 to 2015. And I would bet you those numbers are even higher now. I mean, God knows what last year and, and already this year, you know, it's, it's continuing in 2021. Homicide is the leading cause of death for black people under 35, according to CDC. Homicide is the leading cause of death for blacks under 35. Again, the black homicide rate was 12.9 times higher than the white homicide rate. Why aren't we talking about that inequality? That is the story. Everything else flows downstream from that. Okay? If you have a neighborhood, you have white Catholics, you have some Mormons, and you have some Jews. And then you have blacks. The reality is, we could talk about why it's like that. We could talk about how it got that way. We could talk about what to do about that. But you can't deny the fact that almost all of the homicides, victim and perpetrator, will be in the area that's predominantly black. That is the story. That's getting worse. It's getting worse, both because of the war on cops, but also, most people don't talk about this, but I'm the one who does, criminal justice reform, sentencing reform, prison deform. So there's no deterrent anymore. So it's going to deter, the the lack of deterrent is going to become most evident among the population of which you have the most criminals. Pandering is not compassion. Misdiagnosing a culture of violence in the inner cities as being fundamentally caused by police 
is blaming the cause on the reaction. That's the reality. It has nothing to do with the cops. You could always find any case, a plane crashing, anywhere. Daniel, do you think the cops should have shot the person? Well, gee, what do you want me to tell you? But I mean, like, why are you pointing me in that one narrow sliver? Again, it reminds me of the famous uh, adage of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister. He always said, you know, if the Palestinians would drop their guns, if the Arabs would drop their guns, there would be no no war. If the Israelis would drop their guns, there would be no Israel. And his point was, you know, because sometimes they would criticize the IDF or, you know, you went too far or some once in a while you'd have a, a Jewish activist, you know, in, in Hebron or something, you know, f- fight back and, 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 and kill an Arab or something. And the point was, it's not like nobody ever does anything wrong in a vacuum at any time, but it's that fundamentally they're not the problem. The, 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 the source of the violence is all in one direction. So... You know, it's not a matter of defending when someone responds in the wrong way, but it's like that is not the public policy issue. So that's the story here. There is no discrimination. The discrimination is the other way, and we all know that. Blacks are only 12% of the national population. But if you look... At the statistics, the reality is they account for, you know, especially at at the juvenile level, it's often 60% of the homicides and robberies and aggravated assaults and things like that. It's a little bit less than that in the general population. In Chicago... Black adolescents are roughly 50 times more likely to be killed by homicide than the national average of black adolescents, much less their white counterparts. And that's that's where we have all the problems. It's only going to get worse. And really, the 800-pound gorilla in the room is, is the gangs, the gang warfare. That's everything. According to the FBI, criminal gangs commit as much as 80% of crimes in many communities. That is the issue. It is all gang warfare. But no, we always, we have to have a national discussion every time someone who happens to be black is shot by the police. But again, the notion that police go around looking for them is just simply not true. Most times, they're forced to interact with them. Believe me, they're trying to avoid it. Again, I'm not even a big fan of police. You know my view, I almost want to abolish them myself. Because all they do is block us from self-defense and and enforce COVID fascism. You know, I'm not... I'm not pro-police as an end to itself. 
I'm not saying there aren't jerky police, but it's just a it's a total distraction. That's not the issue. That's simply not the issue. And by the way, how can we never hear about Ashley Babbitt? Just funny. Isn't it funny that right away we know the name of this female police officer? To this day, we don't know the name. The first time ever, who shot Ashley Babbitt? And it was just kind of bizarre. Like, it didn't make any sense. People are like, hey, why was this guy shot? Oh, and then we found out. I mean, it was a mistake. Okay, well, why was Ashley Babbitt shot? No, it doesn't matter because we have a two-tiered uh, justice system in this country. So that's what I wanted to focus on today, at least in terms of crime. Um, you know, it's kind of a big story. Like, the story of the century that we lost all of our gains against violent crime. That is the story. You look at some of these um, prison census, jail census numbers in, in almost all these states. Certainly the big blue states. They're down to like half their prison population that they were five, seven years ago. What do you think that does to the streets? Daniel, you know, it's not too pretty what goes on in prisons. We need prison reform. Well, do you want the prisons in the streets? Because that's what you're getting. Poli increased police interactions with violent people that are undeterred by them is just one symptom of it. You being killed or raped or having your neighborhood taken over, your car constantly stolen or, or you know carjacked, vandalized, that's the main symptom you're going to see. Not going to. I mean, we're already seeing it. So that's with that. I wanted to get to um, the J&J &J vaccine, which actually is, does work like a regular vaccine. Unlike Pfizer and Moderna, it's not an mRNA gene therapy. So everyone's talking about the fact that, oh, well, you know, why is CDC pulling their gu guidance for it? And everyone's following suit for six blood clots. You know, it's barely anything. Well, folks, as you can tell, there's a lot more negative impact incidents reported by CDC on their surveillance page. And what I think this demonstrates is it's, it's really underreported. The bigger story here is... What is the science behind pulling back on J&J &J and not the other two? And the answer is the science is that J&J &J is not quite as connected with government as the other two. That's the science. <laughs> there is no other science. That's the real story here. I mean, because clotting and platelet disorders related to the vaccines, I mean, there's nothing unique about J&J &J with that. They're all like that. That's the dirty little secret. But the bigger story that I think nobody is focusing on, and I know this is my obsession, everyone's sitting and debating vaccines. But the bigger thing is, you see how in a rush we were to create an experimental vaccine where, you know, we're all talking about what we see right away, but none of us are talking about the long-term effects that has never been studied. And they're already on to doing stuff for kids.
Why not use early therapeutic treatments that have been proven for 50 years? Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, among many other things, and cocktails that have been used for decades, billions of doses dispensed without any negative incidents. And they work. Why? Why do we continue to treat experimental stuff like it's God's gift to the world? We have billions of dollars of advertisements behind it, and yet they continue to block ivermectin and, um, and hydroxychloroquine. That's the bigger story. Obviously, this, you know, the, the, the other vaccines are going to take a hit too because people aren't that stupid. And the other side will just use this as a pretext to ramp up the COVID fascism even worse. But the bigger story is we have a safe, cheap way of dealing with this. The, the reaction of the government to the vaccines juxtaposed their reaction to ivermectin is indefensible as it is revealing. Now, I wrote about a story today. Another, this is the third case I've seen in, in New York where someone had to go to a judge, a wife of a patient had to go to a judge, Genesee County, New York, near Buffalo to, get, to, to demand that the hospital give him ivermectin. Basically, there was an 81-year-old guy, John Swanson, that was on a ventilator. Like so many Americans, he was given no options, would probably stayed home, probably didn't see his grandkids, ruined his life, and then he got it anyway. And they had nothing to prescribe. Again, there's all sorts of other drugs, too, and steroids they give them early on. I mean, that doctors McCullough and Cole and other people I've had on the show could speak to. And he was given nothing, and he got inside a cinstorm, couldn't breathe, was on a ventilator. They gave him, I don't know why they agreed to even give it to him, but they did give him one dose of ivermectin. One dose. According to the court order uh, documents, he was um, you know, on death's doorstep. And he was given one dose. And basically, he started breathing again, took him off the ventilator, and he was recovering very well. But one of the things ivermectin has proven to work prophylactically, early, middle, even late, it's not going to be, I mean, early, it's almost 100%. You know, later it's going to be a little bit less, but it still seems to, there's a lot of these stories with people on ventilators. But then also, the evidence shows it works. You know, they're talking about the long COVID. Oh, people that are like, they're weak and they, they don't fully recover. It works for that. So they want him to recover properly. And basically, basically, what happens here? The hospital says no. So they had to get a court order. Supreme Court Justice Frederick Marshall ordered it. That he be administered. And, you know, it, it's working. And by the way, she she said they didn't allow her to, to, to visit. They're still doing that. Blocking visitation, ventilators. This is the true scandal. 
on, um, I believe it was February 15th, Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove, the head of the WHO, she was asked at a forum put on by the WHO. I mean, she's the head of the technical response team for COVID. She's an American. Like, hey, what's the deal? And, and she basically said that over the next six weeks or so, we're going to be coming out with guidance on ivermectin. Well, it's eight, nine weeks later, we don't hear anything. Dr. Sylvie Brian, the director of pandemic and epidemic disease department at the WHO, I think she's French. She was seated next to her. She said that ivermectin induced broad spectrum activity against viruses. It looked promising and there's ongoing studies. Basically, they don't like what they see so far. It, 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 the, the, the sample sizes aren't enough. They, they find all these reasons. And now we're up to, what, 50 studies, 26 of them are CTs. 88% improvement prophylaxis, 81% improvement early treatment. 81%. That's the same number they're giving to the monoclonal, whatever, monoclonal antibodies. They're all talking about that. And I'm not denying it. I haven't studied that well. And... Maybe it works. That would be the best thing that Big Pharma put out. But it's still very expensive. And it's also invasive. Like, you're not going to do it prophylactically. You're not really going to do it early on. That's the problem. They wait till it's too late. Often. Here, it's a pill. Again, I'm not against the monoclonal antibodies. That, that, that could be a part of it. Study it. It's fine. Use it. But I don't see an advantage to that over cheap pills. So that's the story with that. But here we are. NIH has not updated their guidance. CDC has not updated their guidance. According to YouGov poll, and this was before this, the, 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 the today's news. 54% of those vaccinated in America say they still fear getting the virus. Ironically, 28% of those who aren't vaccinated fear. I mean, because they're not as worried. So you see it's not working. Why wouldn't we tell everyone the good news? Stop fearing. You have to assume you're going to get it, but first sign of trouble, take this. You know, if you're really scared, here is a regimen of prophylaxis to take. Yale University professor, renowned cancer researcher, Dr. Alessandro Santin, he said in a recent interview with Trial Site News, the bottom line is that ivermectin works. I've seen this in my patients as well as treating my own family in Italy. We must find a way to administer it on a large scale to a lot of people. Forget about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, doxycycline, whatever it is. Let's just say there was a drug that was 100% effective, cheap, zero problems. Let's say we found something like that. Do you really think the political class, with their corporate allies obtaining so much money and power and social transformation from keeping people fearful and therefore controlled, do you really think they would allow such a cure to become public? 
As I've said before, we've been told a number of lies about COVID and the way to treat it and the way to stop it or not stop it. The manipulation, the censorship, the panic mongering. There's another lie that's been proven. It's an NBC article today about, um, where is this? About the, the UK variant. Indeed, a study came out and said it's not more deadly, which we knew because the UK is not having a problem. Did not cause more severe disease or death in London. They adjusted for hospitalization, sex, age, comorbidities, ethnicity, and there was no difference. So there's been many lies. But among the worst lies, I've always said, is the lie that there is no treatment. There is no cure to this. Because what that lie does is it reveals that they don't really want a cure with the least risk and greatest return for a disease that according to their own obsession is the greatest threat to all mankind. Because folks, as you and I both know, this is a perfect fulfillment of what George Orwell wrote in 1984. The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. They can't have a cure. They can't have a cure. Which is why even with the vaccines that they're supportive of, you know, Fauci said yesterday that you can't even go into a restaurant if you're vaccinated. Because as I said from day one, COVID is an end to itself. It's a tyranny unto itself. It's a matter of what information you're told. Here I am in a beautiful, massive studio, and I'm sitting in a phone booth type of recording thing. By the way, I'm not complaining about my accommodations. I chose this. <laughs> but I'm just saying, this is the world. They, they, they could put us in a news box that gives you the impression that the reality is 180 degrees of what it is. This is why you tune into shows like this. And this is what we're going to continue doing. I'm going to try to have some guests on. I'm going to be back late tonight at my home studio. So we'll be back same time, same place later on. I'm a little bit disheveled here, you know, just because I'm working at I, I never do well when I'm... Um, out of things, I am, you know, there's a lot of things I need to just get back into, some news, uh, activism, you know, we haven't highlighted a lot of the activism this week uh, with state legislatures and things like that, but folks, just remember, these are the same people that funded, through the help of a porn star, a fake study on hydroxychloroquine, Okay? Just think about it. Do you trust them with these vaccines? We're definitely going to be doing more shows on the vaccines. I want to have some good experts on that know a lot more than I do. So send me your suggestions for guests. As always, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, Sign up for a Liberty, Liberty Strike Force team as well. Support our very own sponsor today, LibertyEstatePlans.com. Andre Ong, folks. As always, 
stay knowledgeable, stay informed, question authority, question what you read, dig deeper, and you will discover the truth. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. Listening.